Thank you, Angela, for your gracious invitation to share God's word with all of us as we, God's people, gather to worship Him. We want to truly give thanks to God that He has given us the freedom to gather without fear, but only assured of His love to worship Him and to serve Him. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, we pray that you illumine our minds and hearts, that we may hear your word, that enlivens us, refresh us, and give us still a sharper focus on your calling upon us and your purpose for us. Father, be gracious to me. May you please find me a servant that you want to use to speak your word. Hear this our prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have not met all of you. My name is Moi Hong. Hometown is Sitiawan. I met some of you from Sitiawan this morning. But I met one Sitiawan lady at our at Wesley Methodist Church, uh, uh, McCallum Ministry. This is my 23rd year uh, ministry in a Trinity Annual Conference, Methodist Church, Malaysia. Better late than never, this is my first time in Trinity, and I consider this great privilege and honor to worship the Lord with you and to share God's word with you on this very important day, the Methodist Woman's Sunday. I'm saying this not because I'm a woman. I'm saying this because I believe God made women very special. One of the most important persons in my life who has shaped me and who has been very responsible in my faith formation is none other than my own mother, my beloved mother, my late mother. Every time I think of her, I'm just so grateful, so grateful that the Lord has given me a very godly and wise woman who has made great and many sacrifices just so that her children will fear the Lord and serve Him. But today, I want to, be, I want to do what I'm supposed to do yeah, to preach the word of God as we, God's people, gather to worship and serve Him. And I thought of the ministry of the women inside the church and outside the church. I think of these women, they are successful not because they are beautiful, impressive, with great achievement, but these women become very important to me and have shaped my thinking in many ways because they live a life that seek to give to others. They think of others more than they think of themselves. I think of Mother Teresa. We think of her fondly because of, of the sacrifices that she has made for many. I think of Henrietta Mayers, if you have not heard of her. She's the one who wrote the book 
what the Bible is all about. You might want to read her. And think about and know that Henrietta Myers was responsible to be the person who has shaped Bill Bright, who later on started and pioneered Campus Crusade for Christ. I think of people like YB Hana Yeo. You know, I remember the day when she stepped out in obedience to the Lord, to believe, believing that God has called her to serve the nation. Very timid, she stood having to do a dialogue with YB Lee Sui Beng at that time uh, of Subanjaya. And I heard her say, timid that she was at that time, she said with that clarity of mind and heart, she said, I am young, yes, but I believe, I believe God has called me to stand up for his righteousness and to stand against corruption. And she continued to serve the Lord faithfully till the very last day. She gave her life to serve the nation. Her last words to the people whom she was serving as she left the office the other day, she said, today I can lay my burden for the children, lay down my burden for the children. Did you all pay attention to what she said? This is a woman that God has placed in our midst. She believed that her life is to be spent for the good of others. There are many words that we can use when we think of lives lived for others, life lived for the well-being of others, life lived so that others may live well, life lived so that others may live well with others, life lived well so that one knows that God loves them and that they can live, live, live reconciled to God. The word is reconciliation. St. Paul, when he wrote this letter to the Corinthians Christians, it was a letter to defend himself, if you will pay attention to the word. You see, the Corinthian Christians were the Christians that he, set, he reached out to. He brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. He spent more than two years there. And after that, he found that the church, though graced with so much of spiritual gifts, this church was not very nice to him. They maligned him. They said things untrue of him. It must have pained the apostle's heart. And so he wrote this letter. Of course, he wrote many letters. Uh, Bible scholars will tell us that St. Paul wrote many letters to the Corinthian church. Not all of it were recovered. Not some of it have gone in the process of transmission. But what we have today in 2 Corinthians compiled for us it's a letter by this apostle, servant of Christ, in defense of his ministry. He was maligned. He was accused of being a religious mania, a fanatic, if I may use the word. Chapter 5, verse 13, you can read that. He was perhaps accused of making money out of his ministry. And he had to defend himself by saying that he, he provided for his, very, his own needs in the course of doing his ministry. He unashamedly talked about the hardship that he went through, the disappointment that he bore with in the course of ministry, all for this reason, that he believed that he is the ambassador of Christ and that God in his mercies and grace had given him the ministry of reconciliation. And in this letter where he defends himself, we understand from the 
from the words of this apostle that one of that the most important ministry, the pivotal of the ministries of the apostle is the ministry of reconciliation, aligning people to God, having himself being aligned and reconciled to God the rest of his life is spent on aligning people to God, reconciled to God, and reconciled to one another. In many ways, I like to think that in this, even in this letter where he has to defend his ministry, St. Paul was trying to reconcile with the people. We have no time to talk about this big issue of reconciliation, but I'd like to, I like to get us just to focus on to think again, when you become Christian, what do you live for, brothers and sisters? When you become a Christian, what change is there? Is there a change in the direction of your life? Is there a change in the focus of your life? Is there a change in the manner in which you do things? Is there one thing that's, that actually steer you in your decision-making, steer you in the way you live your life, steer you in the, in the direction of your life? Well, I'd like to suggest, I'd like to propose that in what Paul is saying here, the thing that steers our life now is, this, is being reconciled to God and doing the ministry of reconciliation that Jesus Christ has entrusted to us. Let's pause for a moment, and I'm going to ask you to imagine with me some of the beautiful pictures of reconciliation. We are not unfamiliar with it, brothers and sisters. I'm quite sure that in our lives you have seen that, but I'm just going to highlight it so that you appreciate better the beauty of reconciliation. A straight child returning home to the welcoming arms of the family. Is that a beautiful picture of reconciliation? brothers and sisters, those of us who are parents, it's a beautiful picture of reconciliation. A straight husband returning to his spouse with a deep sense of remorse and wanting to make amends. Is that a beautiful picture of reconciliation, brothers and sisters? A substance abuser rehabilitated for purposeful and joyful living. Is that a beautiful picture of reconciliation? A vile criminal repent and transformed into a compassionate human being reaching out to those in need. For example, Najib recognizing his sin, turning to the Lord and give all the money he has robbed of us and give it back to rebuild our hospital and schools. Wouldn't that be a beautiful picture of reconciliation, brothers and sisters? You think that is possible? No, huh? A greedy and ruthless businessman transformed into a thoughtful, ethical man leading campaign for just and holistic business enterprise so that the entire economy of the country can become better. Isn't that a beautiful picture of reconciliation? The beauty and goodness of a reconciled relationship, a sense of wellness, orderliness, peace and well-being, these are the results 
of reconciliation. And when there is reconciliation, these will be our experiences. These will be the things, fruit that we enjoy, sense of wellness, sense of orderliness, peace and well-being. When relationships are restored, placed in its rightful places, the poor will be taken care of. The powerful will use their power to defend the powerless and to take care of the voiceless and the defenseless. The Ministry of Reconciliation, which Paul was talking about, was really about reconciling people to God. And Paul believed that this ministry was given to him by the Lord Jesus Christ. Ravi Zacharias, in his book, Cries of the Heart, writes about the effects of being not reconciled with God. In other words, not reconciled to God, one is living in estrangement from God. One is separated from God. Opposite of reconciliation is estrangement. Ravi Zechariah says that the effects of one estrangement from God is utter sense of loneliness, despair, hopelessness, simply drifting along. There will be violence. There will be indifference. And when analysed closely, it brings us to the close of such negative states of mind, which is estrangement from God. Brothers and sisters, there is an intimate connection between a person's disconnectedness with life and his and her connection with God. How well a person copes with his or her crisis has a lot to do with one's connectedness with the Lord. Inevitably, when one's relationship with the Lord is estranged, it is manifested in one's relationship with others. So it is manifested by withdrawal, hostility, uh, indifference, uh, loneliness, uh, double-minded, and maybe uh, a split personality. These are some of the results of estrangement, not reconciled, not connected with the Lord. Paul sees his ministry a ministry of reconciliation. What is it? It is about bringing people who are estranged from God back to God through Jesus Christ. You see, brothers and sisters, sins stand in the way of our relating with God. Sin. And at the core of sin is a rejection of God. Self-centeredness. Rejection of God. Sin stands in the way of our relating with God. And through Jesus Christ, our sin are dealt with. Through Jesus Christ, who take our sins upon himself, nailed on the cross. And if we will entrust our lives to God, recognizing that we have sinned, recognizing that our lives are lived in estrangement with God, we connect, we recommit our lives to God. And we surrender our lives to God. We commit our, confess our sin and commit ourselves to Jesus Christ and acknowledging God in our lives, acknowledging His ways in our lives, acknowledging Him to be God in our lives. The new has come. And that's exactly what Paul is saying, that through Christ, one is made new. The old is gone, the new has come. Paul teaches that through Christ, one is made new so that 
The old is gone, the new has come. When one is rightly related with the Lord, it has this rippling effect upon our relationships with others. There was this man who lived in estrangement from his wife. She was, he was not like that. He became like that when he decided to go against God when he entered into an extramarital affair. And you see, it has this rippling effect. First, you choose to go against God. And when he entered into that sin of adultery, it has this rippling effect on the family. His estrangement with his wife grows. Estrangement with his children grow. And soon he finds himself this struggles within him. He knows that he is not doing right. He wants to do right, but he's not doing it right. And he looks at his wife, he looks at his children. They have no more desire to relate with him. And by and by, this man becomes so luan inside him. You know, the Hokkien word say luana. You are just so disintegrated. And that's the effect of estrangement. But when that man came back to the Lord, confessed his sin, confessed his sin to his wife and the children, there was this reconciliation. I'm using this example to help us see the effects of being reconciled to God. This man began to see God's purpose for him in his life. This man began to see the beauty of the marriage that God has given him. This man begins to see the beauty of the family, the beautiful family that God has given him. This man slowly, as he submits himself to God, began to see his role as a husband, as a father, and the family is made intact. Harmony is restored to the family. There is new purpose in life new direction in life. Restlessness, struggles, a sense of disintegration is restored by purposefulness, wholeness, and peace within. Truly, when we are reconciled with the Lord, it has this rippling effect upon our relationships with one another. Let's not think about this rippling effects upon the family alone. Yes, it's rippling. When we are rightly related with the Lord, it has this rippling effect upon everyone else around us. The scripture tells us that the, the effects of reconciliation has even rippling effect upon the nature around us, the environment around us. So we read that in the book of Hosea, chapter 2, verses 16 to 23 where Hosea, Hosea said, In that coming day, says the Lord, you will call me my husband. If you remember the book of Hosea, where God allowed the prophet Hosea to enter into a very difficult time in his relationship with his wife, Goma. We all know that. It was a terrible time for Hosea, but his relationship with Goma would be to be used by God to depict the Israelites' estranged relationship with God. But when God's people turn back to him, Hosea said, In that day, says the Lord, you will call me my husband instead of my master. Israel, I will cause you to forget your images of Baal 
Even their names will no longer be spoken. At that time, I will make a covenant with all the wild animals and the birds and the animals that scurry along the ground so that they will not harm you. I will remove all weapons of war from the land, all sorts and bows, so that you can live unafraid in peace and safety. I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as Lord. When the, in that day, says the Lord, I will answer the pleading of the sky for clouds, which will pour down water on the earth in answer to its cries for rain. Then the earth will answer the thirsty cries of the grain, the grapes and the olive trees for moisture. And the whole grand chorus will sing together, Jezreel, God plants. At that time, I will plant a crop of Israelites and raise them for myself. I will show love to those I call not loved. And to those I call not my people, I will say, now you are my people. When we are reconciled to the Lord, it has this rippling effect upon us, our relationships, and even upon the environment that we live in. That's how glorious the ministry of reconciliation is. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, their relationship with one another broke. Then their relationship with, the, their relationship with God breaks first. Then their relationship with one another breaks. Then it has its effect upon the environment and the world that they live. But through Jesus Christ, this reconciliation is made available for us. When we are reconciled with Jesus, brothers and sisters, truly reconciled with Jesus, it would have its rippling effect upon everything every realm of life that we live with. Paul considers himself and his fellow co-workers as ambassadors for Christ. They are so because they themselves have been reconciled to Jesus Christ. And having been reconciled to Christ, they now bear this ministry so that others too may be reconciled to Christ. We read that in verse 21, where it says, for our sake, he made, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Brothers and sisters, the church will carry on. We will have many ministries that we do. Sisters in the Lord, Methodist women, we will still have our pakute, we will still have our tea, we will still have our line dancing, and so on and so forth. But may we remind one another that in all that we do in our lives, there is one primary calling that God has given us. Having been reconciled to Jesus Christ, remember that through Jesus Christ, we are reconciled to God. Thereafter, all about our lives, it is lived about reconciling the world to Christ. We become ambassadors for Christ, that through us, people might be reconciled to God. And when that takes place, 
relationships will be blessed. When that takes place, our environment is blessed in every way. Brothers and sisters, my question to you this morning is, do you believe Christ died for you? Do you? Do you believe that Christ died for you, brothers and sisters? Do you believe that Christ paid for our sins on the cross? Do you? Did Christ pay the price for our being reconciled to God? Did He pay the price? And therefore, as recipients of God's grace, made righteous before God, the answer is yes all the way. All the way, brothers and sisters. Have you ever wondered why Christ, when He instituted the Holy Communion, and whenever you come for Holy Communion, there's this word said to you, do this in remembrance of? Remembrance of? Me, not me, who? Christ. Do this in remembrance of me, Jesus Christ. Remember that. Our lives are lived remembering that we are reconciled to Christ. And thereafter, the way we relate with our husband, the way we relate with our wife, the way we relate with our children, the way we relate with people that we work with, the way we relate with one another in our community of faith, the way we think of one another, Paul says, we regard no longer, we regard them no longer from the point of view of the world. We look at one another as people precious in the eyes of God. That Jesus Christ has died to reconcile each and every one of us to Him so that the world may be reconciled to Him. Brothers and sisters, you don't need to be a pastor to do that. You certainly don't need to be a bishop to do that. You certainly don't need to be a pope to do that. You and I, Whoever you are, if you believe that Christ has died for you, you are called to the ministry of reconciliation. I'm growing to live this truth of being reconciled to God. And even as a pastor in my 23 years of ministry, relating with my fellow pastors, doing LCEC meetings, talking to my ministry leaders, I don't do it well all the time. But every time I celebrate the Holy Communion, I am reminded, I'm reminded that I'm called to the Ministry of Reconciliation. How can I help my ministry leaders do their ministry better, remembering that we are reconciled to God and that we are to help one another be reconciled to God and we are up and about with the Ministry of Reconciliation? How much of you do I need to die? How much of my self-importance need to die? How much of my arrogance need to die so that the ministry of the reconciliation of Christ can permeate through? Brothers and sisters, we are ambassadors of Christ. When you look at one another, I pray and hope that we will remember that, that we are reconciled and that we are called to the ministry of reconciliation. I wonder how many of us Methodist women in Trinity Methodist Church, Penang, are involved in the Alpha ministry. It is a wonderful ministry of reconciliation. That is the most effective way 
where we can bring our non-Christian friends in a friendly fashion to be reconciled to God. We give them opportunity to ask questions. We give them opportunity to get to know us. We get them, give them opportunity to experience and taste the generosity of Christians through, our, through the food that we serve them, through our friendly environment, and not expecting anything return, in return. That's exactly what Alpha is doing. And if you have been wondering for many years, yeah, Pastor, well and good, you know, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But you know what? Uh, in Penang, uh, they all worship many other gods. Uh. So when I ask them to come and believe in Jesus, uh, they say, mien la, mien la. No need, la, you know. But unless and until they come to Christ, they are not reconciled to God. We bring them as a friend. No compulsion, no obligation. Come so that we can introduce to them this God who gave himself to us first and reconcile us to God. So if you have not been involved in Alpha ministry, I want to encourage you. If you have been wondering how on earth are you going to bring your mother-in-law to Christ or father-in-law to Christ or sister-in-law to Christ or brother-in-law to Christ or sister or brother or relatives or colleagues or neighbours, Prayerfully consider. Ask God to open their hearts and invite them to Alpha. Because Alpha ministry is a wonderful ministry of helping people be reconciled to the Lord. Women, Methodist women, as I mentioned just now, I really believe that women are very special people. God has designed us in a very special way. We are designed to understand, we are designed to understand pain a lot, a lot better than men. Sorry, my brothers, I have to say this. You're not happy, huh? I say this. Huh? Women, we are designed to understand pain and embrace pain much, much better than men. One of the ladies of the churches that I pastored told me this, Pastor, don't tell us about pain until you have given birth. And I had the privilege of accompanying a young lady when she was giving birth to a second child by herself because her husband was away doing his doctorate in Australia and not wanting to, not wanting to uh, stressed the husband who, was, who, was, uh, who had to prepare himself for the viva in defense of his thesis, she decided that she would go for, she would she 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 not inform the husband that the second child was coming. And I got to see what labor pain does to a woman. It's no joke. What I want to say is there is value but sisters, God has designed us to understand pain much better. It makes us more compassionate people. It makes us more understanding. Women are also designed to nurture better. You carry a child nine months in your womb. You nurture the child even when he or she was in your womb. And there is this inbuilt inclination 
to nurture patiently and lovingly. Women are designed to redeem sufferings. When we give birth through the terrible pain that you go through, life is born. Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever thought of that, ladies? Pain is redeemed in that way. We are designed to be creative caregivers. Many of us women are multi-talented, multi with many responsibilities, multi-responsibilities that you have seen too. We are counsellors, we are adjudicators, we are umpires at home, and many of us, we manage the household finance very well. You are designed in a very special way. Like many women, like mother of Jesus, Mary, we ponder a lot of things in our hearts. This makes us very special ambassadors for Christ. So Angela, Methodist Women of Trinity Methodist Church, yours is not a sideline ministry. Yours is a very important ministry. Why? First and foremost, God calls all to the ministry of reconciliation. More than anything else, all that you do, you bear this most important ambition, if I may use the word, focus, purpose in life, and that is a ministry of reconciliation. I want to leave these words to your continual pondering, brothers and sisters. It's my prayer and hope that I have contributed to your thinking about your life as Christian, as a church. I hope that I've contributed to your pondering and reflection upon your relationships with others. I hope I've contributed to your ponderings about how, what is the relationship with our nation that is so torn, filled with uncertainties? What is our relationship? What has God called us to in this, our beloved nation, Malaysia? We are called to the ministry of reconciliation by our words, thoughts, decisions, actions. St. Paul says, we are ambassadors of Christ. So fellow ambassadors of Christ, let us arise and be the ministers of Christ's reconciliation. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, graciously come upon us afresh. Help us cherish the truth of Christ. Help us see even more clearly how wonderfully we are reconciled to you, to Jesus Christ, our Lord. Spirit of the living God, come afresh upon us that we will lay hold of your call upon us to be ambassadors for Christ, to become ministers of the ministry of reconciliation Jesus Christ has given us. Hear this our prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.